The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Eclectic music, engaging talk. Since 1969. Listen live now at KUCI.org. 88.9 FM. KUCI Irvine. You're listening to Real People of Orange County, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. This show is a fun and informative look inside the lives of Orange County's best and brightest. These are people who serve their community in a meaningful capacity on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is 88.9 KCI FM in Irvine, and this is Real People of Orange County. I'm Heather McCoy. And I am Kimberly Martin. Hey, happy Valentine's Day, Heather. Uh, it's never happy Valentine's. Oh, I just am so glad you said that, because I think I think we got to dig a little deeper into some of that angst that you're feeling, and and maybe talk about it. Okay. Well, so I just later, need, but okay. I just need to say that we had a delightful guest that was um, coming on today, and she um, she's postponed, and she's coming back. It's Dr. Judy Rosner, so be looking for her in the future because we are going to have her on. I'm so excited to see her for Valentine's Day. She is uh, a beloved professor here at UCI, and I can't wait to have her on. So she's going to reschedule and come on back to us. Okay. So, so um, but since since I was driving in and I thought, okay, I've got to mix it up a little bit. It is Valentine's Day, and a lot of people have you know have issues this day. Uh huh. I am uh, I'm a married woman, and I give Valentines to my children now, and it's kind of fun. They're very happy and squealy. And they Do they have, get the little heart candy with they, words on it? I didn't get those because I don't oh. really want to. Like, I only want to get them things I want to eat when they're not around. Oh, <laughs> that makes sense. Okay. They they abandon the candy rather quickly. And so then, you know, if I'm going to get the dregs of something, it might as well be the dregs of something I love. Like? Seeds candy. Oh, seeds candy. Yeah, I'm kind of partial. I grew up here. And if you have grown up here, you know that this is this is kind of like a staple. This is like... This is like my home cooking. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Seas> candy. <laughs> all righty. What about you? Uh, I do nothing for Valentine's. Nothing at all? Nothing at all. If you did do something, what would you do? I have no idea. No idea. No, no yeah, idea. I've never had a Valentine, so I have no idea what I would do. Well, um, okay, so go online while you're here to uh, history.com, because we're going to talk a little bit about the history of Valentine's Day. But um, I have a couple guests coming on. We are going to have back with us, uh, just in a, in a few minutes, uh, Dr. Martini. He had some insight about love and relationships. And I want to make sure we talk about that today. And uh, we have a very successful uh, public relations gal on the line, uh, Laura Panino. And she's going to be talking to us as well. And uh, Laura has an interesting background, but more importantly, she's just a knockout attractive gal who um, chooses to be single. So that's something that I think <laughs> is kind of interesting on Valentine's Day. And so, Laura, can you hear us? Are you there? Yes, yeah, she's here. here. Oh, happy Valentine's Day to you, beautiful. Hello, darling. She comes to us all the way from Houston. 
and uh, just a delightful friend of mine. I wanted to have her on because I love her take on things. And one of the other things we'll do today is we'll do some myth busters on relationships. So we can get right into it. I don't know if you got to hear Heather lamenting over Valentine's Day, but I suspect that out there with all those happy people that were in line at the Sprinkles Cupcake Factory, (laughs) I could not believe I drove by. I couldn't get through the parking lot. I was running late. And there must have been like 70 people in line waiting to Whoa. go in the store. So I, I, I want to know where my cupcake is. And I have a feeling a lot of other single ladies and gentlemen want to know where their cupcake is, too. <laughs> so welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. And then in a little while, Dr. Demartini is going to click in with us. He is in Australia. And so he's very kind to wake up and dust off early in the morning and then come in and talk to us about love. So, okay. So, Laura... Let's talk about, I, I put down for you the uh, joy of being single as, as maybe our lead-in for your story. Well, I would be happy to talk about that, but I think John maybe doesn't have okay, as much time, so you back. might want to try to grab him first, okay, and then I, I can hop back, if that's okay with you. Yeah, that's good. I actually think Dr. Demartini just got onto the line. Dr. Demartini, are you with us? I am. Good morning. <laughs> oh, good morning to you there in Australia. Uh, so, uh, okay, give us a brief introduction to you, Dr. Demartini. We've had you on the show before. You kind of found yourself in Huntington Beach, and uh, that's where our connection to you came. But we didn't really get enough time to talk about love and relationships, and it's a it's a topic you're eager to share with us. Well, I, I really believe that no matter what you are, who you are, where you are, that um, we all want to be loved and appreciated for who we are. And I believe that the mastery of communicating what we're really about, what's deep and meaningful to us, in terms of what's meaningful to other people, is the secret of communicating and having a heartful relationship. Right. And I, I think that uh, at every stage of our life, we have to constantly adapt and master the art of communicating uh, our highest values in terms of other, highest pe- other people's highest values in order to have this to continue. Right. So where does somebody look to, on a day like today, when everybody really is focusing on their emotional life, what are some of the most important things that should be top on our mind? Well, if we really care about another individual, we will identify and pay close attention to what's really important to them. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll catch those subtle things that they do, that's their habits, the things they fill their time with, the things that they fill their space with the things that they spend their energy on and they spend their money on and what they think and visualize and focus on most. And we'll pay close attention to that, and we'll go out of our way to do something that helps them fulfill what their life demonstrates is really meaningful to them. And caring enough about somebody is really caring enough to communicate in that and think that out. If somebody really loves um, walking in a park, we'll organize it uh, to where we can do that. But it's caring about them and finding out what's meaningful to them and doing what we can to help them fulfill that. Okay, so where does somebody go if they feel that that's not happening in their relationship? What can they do to bring that out in their loved one? Or to bring that well, out in themselves if they're not it, doing it, it for a partner? There's an, there's an old proverb, proverb, a proverb that says that if we help other people get what they want, we tend to get what we want. So if we're waiting for them to do it and we're not doing it, we're waiting for something that may not happen. So the wisest thing to do is just start doing it. Just care enough to find out what's important to them and ask them what they would love to do. And if you're not certain, go ask them. But if you are certain by observing, that's even better. But surprise them with something that they would love to do that's inspiring to them. And, and don't wait for them to do it. It's about you doing it. The fulfillment is not about getting it. It's also about giving it. 
Right. Now, you've written a book a little bit about this called The Heart of Love, How to Go Beyond Fantasy and Find True Relationship Fulfillment. Tell me a little bit about why you wrote this book. Well, I found that so many people were having fantasies and unrealistic expectations uh, about uh, put and projected on other people. Everybody has a set of priorities, a set of values that they live their life by. And anytime they project their values onto somebody else and expect the other person to live in their values, they're going to end up with the ABCDs of negativity, which is anger and aggression, blames and feelings of betrayal, criticism and challenge, and despair and depression. So we have to care enough about the other individual and know that they live according to their own values, and they're not designed to live in our values. So we have to care enough to find out what their values are and then communicate what's important to us in terms of what's important to them. That's what caring really is about. It's not about projecting and trying to get them to be like us, which is self-defeating, because if any two people are exactly the same, one's not necessary. It's about caring about their uniqueness and communicating in terms of what's important to them. So give me an example of... A scenario where two people have gone through a process to do this with each other. Well, what I do is I, I, in my book, I have an outline of how to determine a person's priorities and values. And uh, so it's it's about a 12-step little process that they can do. And you look really carefully, as I said, in, in how they fill their space and how they spend their time and how they spend their energy and how they spend their money and what do they talk about and what do they tend to want to read. And it goes through literally 12 little steps that you can do and to help determine what's really important to them. And then you take what's important to you by the same steps and you ask a simple question. How is what they're dedicated to helping you fulfill what you're dedicated to? And then in reverse, how's what you're dedicated to helping them fulfill what they're dedicated to? If you can't answer that, you've got no communication. But once you start to answer that and you keep answering that, you now have an increased probability of a dialogue instead of alternating monologues where you're speaking, they're not listening, and then they're speaking, you're not listening. The key is to make sure that you communicate what is really important to you in terms of theirs and find out how, what they're dedicated to it because they just want to be loved for who they are, not who we expect them to be. <clears throat> okay. Now you work with work with individuals in kind of like a breakthrough experience. Can you talk to me a little bit about when somebody decides they need to have a breakthrough experience like this? Well, many people come to the breakthrough experience program that I do. In fact, I'm doing it tomorrow here in Australia. Many people come to the program for all different reasons. A uh, big one is obviously relationships because that's that's one of the biggest challenges that people face is how to how to get along with people with different values. But what we do is we, we have them go in there and identify what it is about the other person that we like or dislike, and then we have to own that in our own life. And yep. then we do the same exercise I just mentioned about learning how to communicate in their values. And people, as I said, they want to be appreciated. So they're going to be appreciated according to their values. Everybody demonstrates their love according to what they value most. So if a father dedicates to education and business development, he's going to show his love by working hard and making sure the kids go to school. But if a mother is dedicated to aesthetics, health, and beauty, then she's going to dedicate, make sure they're dressed nicely, make sure they get good food, etc. So everybody's going to show love according to what they value most, and knowing what that is and knowing how to communicate that is the secret. So in the breakthrough experience, we dedicate how to master that so we can enhance our relationship and have more fulfillment. What if it seems like what they're pursuing in what you said maybe is their version of showing love really seems more like a selfish pursuit? They work harder because they want success or they um, print more because they want to be adored for beauty. What? Give me an example of that. Well, we're always going to see the other person, uh, you might say, 
narcissistic or selfish when they haven't mastered how what they're dedicated to is serving you. Uh, can I give an example? Yeah. I'll give a story. It's funny. Um, let's just say that uh, this is this is true. I was dating a woman that had a high value on beauty and a high value on on aesthetics and clothes and and uh, you know looking good. And um, I went up to her and I said, "Look, um, I, what are you doing next Tuesday?" And she says, uh, "Well, nothing right now." I said, "I said, well, I want to invite you to a talk I was doing on quantum physics." And she goes, "Oh my God! Oh, uh, okay." And then all of a sudden, a couple of days later, a friend of hers comes up to her and says, uh, "Hey, they have a 75% sale on it, Escada and Versace, and a 75% sale on it, a spa." And they're having champagne uh, runway uh, demo at this uh, at this um, these studios. I can see the so catastrophe anyway, that's come. about to happen. <laughs> okay, so now what happens is she's going to call me and she's going to say, "Honey, something's really important is going to come up. I won't be able to make your quantum physics seminar." Now, if I'm understanding of her values, I'm going to understand that she makes decisions based on what she values and what gives her the greatest advantage over disadvantage, greatest reward over risk. So as long as she has a high value on beauty, she's going to want to go in that direction. She's not going to want to go to quantum physics seminar. So if I'm stupid, I'm going to say, well, you betrayed me. How dare you said you were going to do something, and now you didn't do it. But if I understand her, then I'm going to understand that, that something that's more valuable to her has come up, and she's going to want to do that. Now, if I go to her and I say, uh, well, honey, actually, that was a decoy, this quantum physics seminar. I really had intention to have you set that day aside because I had a limo uh, taking us to a private jet to fly us to Venice to go shopping in Venice. And then all of a sudden she goes, oh, my God, and we were going to do a spa in Venice. And she said, so then well, she'll call her friend and say, well, look, something's come up. I won't be able to do a SCADA. Um, I'm going to go flying to Venice with my boyfriend. So <laughs> if, but, if but, I but, come in there with a, a thing that's even more valuable to her than what she had as an option, she'll turn around and go in the other direction again. So I have to care enough to find out what her values are and provide something in her values if I want her to do something that's meaningful to me. My responsibility is to do that if I, if I care about her. And vice versa, she's going to want to do that back. My wife used to say, let's go over to Le Cirque Restaurant. Well, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, there's a $1,200 dinner. Oh, my and, gosh. Um, <laughs> and I, and I didn't really want to spend $1,200 on you know, a nice dinner. So, but she would say, well, I've, I've invited uh, the head of this major corporation who may want to have you come and speak and do some consulting, and that would be you know, worth a lot of money. It says, are you sure that you want to do it? If she would organize that, I'd say, let's do it. It's worth the risk. But if she just wanted to go to dinner, I would say, eh, I don't want to hear somebody just rambling on about gossip. So if we care enough about the other person to communicate in their values, uh, we feel loved. And if we don't care enough about their values and we just project ours, we feel that the other person's selfish. But that feels like such an unrewarding trade-off all the time. I mean, when do you get to the stuff about, you know, really caring on a deeper level and not just on what they want? Because that sounds a little, I don't know, it just seems so... Oh. Well, in Manipulative, some cases, maybe. what they want may be material things, but sometimes it may be just affection. Sometimes it may be remembering a, a certain date or a certain time or a certain thing, or maybe taking to a restaurant. So it's not about just material things. It's anything that's meaningful to them. Um, in, in my Okay, like on Mother's Day, right? I could sit there and buy my mom a blouse or something like that, but that doesn't mean a lot to her. What meant a lot to her is writing out a full-page uh, piece of poetry of thanks to her. And she kept that till her last day, till she mm -hmm. died. So when I wrote that, and I, I beautifully calligraphied, and I put it on a beautiful thing and mounted it and everything else for her, that was the most meaningful gift I did. So that's what she valued. 
So it's not about just material things. My girlfriend just happened to like that, but she also wants a hug, and she also wants to be taken out on a romantic dinner, and she also wants those things too. So it's not just material things. It's whatever is meaningful to them because they feel loved if you communicate in their values. So let's take take a moment to think about all the people that aren't getting what they want on today, Valentine's Day. It, it's It's one of those days that just really brings up a lot of issues for people. What can we say to the people that aren't feeling really fulfilled right now? Well, <clears throat> no matter what, I always say that no matter what's going on in your life, you want to ask this question. How is whatever's happening? How is it helping me fulfill what's most meaningful to me? Because it's never what happens around you. You're never a victim of circumstances around you. It's all about your perception. And the quality of the questions you ask yourself determines the quality of your life you have. If you ask, you know, why is this happening and this, this isn't working out and you have false expectations, you're going to be angry. But if you ask, how is whatever's happening, how can I use it to my greatest advantage, and how can I do something with it that's meaningful, you will have a different outcome. And then if you focus on what you can do to be of service to somebody, even if you're just calling friends that may not have got a call on this day and calling them and thanking them for their contribution to your life, you'll feel better. So I would say find out how no matter what's happening is on the way, not in the way, and it's instructive, not obstructive, and you'll become a master of your destiny, not a victim of your history if you do. Right. Right. Well, I understand that you have a short amount of time to give us today. Um, you can stay on as long as you want. Um, I love the idea of asking those important questions. How do we help somebody ask important questions to themselves? What does that take? Well, the, the, obviously the Heart of Love book could be helpful because if they get the book, then the questions are there. And I'm telling you, I had a couple, pardon me for going on there, but I had a couple who, uh, well, first of all, the, a gentleman came to the, the Breakthrough Experience. And he came alone, and at the end of it, he said, God, I wish my wife had been here. So the following day, he, he flew his wife from Ohio into New York City and put her up at the Plaza Hotel. I was living in Trump Tower, and I walked over to Plaza Hotel, and I said to her when I met with this lady, I said, I, your husband said that you, you, she, you, she wished you had been at this program, so how can I help? He said, well, we're having some problems, and, and, and uh, you know, we're, we're not really on a divorce system, but we're fighting a lot, and we just, I don't know, we just need some help on that. So I asked her what's important to him, and we narrowed it down to five things, building his business, making money, driving his car, going golfing, cigars with his buddies, right? We looked at her highest values, taking care of the kids, making sure the house is great, making sure their health is well, make sure they're educated, and spending time with the extended family. So we then asked her, so how is building his business helping you um, with the family? And she goes, it's not. That's the problem. And I said, well, how are you spending time with the family helping his business? She goes, I have no idea. I said, well, you have nothing to communicate over because what's important to him and what's important to you aren't being communicated. So I basically sat down and I asked her, how is what he's doing serving you? And we spent literally three or four hours answering that question until she had tears in her eyes. And then we say, well, how is what you're dedicated to serving him and his five highest values? And we didn't stop until she got tears again. When she did and when she went back, they had a completely different relationship because they saw instead of trying to fix the person, they, they communicated and appreciated the person. And we always have something to say if we can find out what they're dedicated to serving us and what we can find is what we're dedicated to serving them. But we run out of things to say, and we block our communication when we can't do that. So answering those questions, to me, is one of the most significant things you can do to enhance the relationship development. And, and finding out how, how each person is fulfilled seems like a really significant shift in a relationship. Well, we, we tend to want to be right instead of love. We tend to want to project instead of uh, communicate. 
And that doesn't work. It never has worked, and it won't work. It's like going out in the streets with, uh, with our product, service, and ideas and trying to sell something to somebody that's not even established a need. Nobody likes being told what they need. They want to be asked what's important to them, and then they want to have those fulfilled. And that's the same thing in relationships. Selling out on the, in the world of business is the same as communicating in the, in the form of relationship. It's caring about them and making sure their needs are met. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, well, what else? What's your best advice on today when people are out there roaming the streets wanting love? Well, the, the wisest thing to do if you have a loved one is to go and hug them, look them straight in the eyes, hold them in your arms, and just hold them and okay. say thank you for the contribution you make in my life and for just being you. And just take advantage of the opportunity to be, for a moment, present, authentic, and grateful. You get, you get mileage if you do that. And make sure it's real. Think, make a list in your own mind of what you're grateful for, for their contribution to your life before you do it so it's sincere. And if you don't have somebody, then go make a difference in somebody's life. I love that You'll idea. open your own heart if you do. Because it doesn't matter, even if it's just walking down the street and you see somebody and you see that they're dressed beautifully, let them know. If they all of a sudden look tall and their hair is great, let them know. If they look like they're successful, let them know. Find something to be grateful for. Because when you open your heart with gratitude, you have fulfillment. And gratitude is the key that open heart, opens the heart. And inside there, there's love. And Valentine's Day is about love. It really is. And it doesn't have to be romantic love either, does it? No, it doesn't. It may be, it may be your puppy. It may be holding your puppy today. But whatever it is, just know that if you open the heart, you open your heart to other people, it's going to come back. It's, it's, it's paid back. I guarantee it. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for taking the time to jump on the line all the way from Australia, uh, Dr. Martini, and his book is uh, The Heart of Love. I love it. Thank you so much. Kimberly, thank you so much for this time, and, and may you have an absolutely amazing Valentine's Day for whatever's left of the day there. Oh, thank you, and the same to you. Thank you. Okay, bye. Okay, so I, I, I loved what he said about just opening your heart and letting the gratitude in, and, and the way to do that is so easy, is just to initiate uh, words of kindness to somebody else. It, I mean, it, it really is true when you take that first step, how all of a sudden you're, you're, you just shift and um, maybe a gentler side of you comes out. Has anybody else experienced that? All the time, Kimberly. You know, this is Laura. Hi, Laura. <laughs> Thank you for coming back on. Um, all the time. And, you know, it's so funny what John said about, you know, maybe it's your puppy. And the funny thing is, as you and I talked earlier today, I mean, I have a red bandana around my dog's neck. Today, today <laughs> it might be your puppy, too, huh? <laughs> so I've got a red bandana around Hero's neck, and I, I put on cowboy boots and little black skirt and a red top, and I've got a, like, beads around my neck that have these cute little hearts are like i'm from new orleans so everything is about mardi gras this time of year which descended but i have beads with you know hearts on them and i was like you know i don't know if i'll see a person at all today but i have to love myself and if i don't love myself who else is going to love me you know yeah i guess it does start there um you know heather was lamenting earlier i think you might have heard that she doesn't really do much on Valentine's Day. Heather, what do you think about going out and starting to throw some love about? Loving myself? No, even like oh. like commenting to somebody and opening up the channels that way and saying... Doing what to somebody? 
loving other people. Oh, loving other just, people. Yeah, sharing oh. sharing kind words that might make their day rather than looking for, for ways in our lives for our day to be made. I do that almost every day, so I don't know why Valentine's Day has to be any different. Because everybody's wearing pink and red. <laughs> I guess. I don't get this whole thing myself. But Well, you and my husband, my husband doesn't get it either. <laughs> he thinks it's a Hallmark holiday, which, you know, I, I get I get the validity to that. But I have to tell you, going back to sort of that, that comment that John brought up about, you know, just smiling at people, I did that as an experiment one day in the supermarket. It was the best experiment. I just walked, I got out of the car, walked across the parking lot, and I thought, you know, I'm going to smile at everybody in the store. It was the best experiment. It was so fun. And I just smiled at everybody, and I was like, hi, hi, how are you doing? The the response I got back was amazing, and I ended up, I went and bought a dozen roses for myself, you know, I had it in the checkout line, and this guy behind me goes, oh, is your man behind those for you? Oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so funny, and I was like, well, I didn't want to, like, give this guy any cue that maybe I was interested in him, I went, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I said, absolutely, my man's buying them for me. <laughs> he said, honey, I don't have time to go out and buy them for yourself. And so he says, he goes, wow, he's a lucky man. I said, he sure is. But, but since you've done that for one day, are you going to continue smiling at people for, for, you know, 365 days a year? Well, as much as I can. Okay. You know, why yeah, not? Why not? Right? It's yeah. so funny that you bring that up because I think The Middle was on last night. It's a show that I, I let watch with my children. And um, the character, Sue, the daughter, decided she was going to do a little example of smiling at everybody and recording the feedback that she was getting from people. And so it's it's That's hilarious. very in line. <laughs> I, I'm unfortunately, because of TiVo, I'm only halfway through the episode, so I don't see how it ends. But the whole smiling thing is supposed to really work in her favor as well. <laughs> oh, I love it. It is such a, it's, it's <clears throat> such a good thing, you know. Um, well, so tell us about some of the reactions that you got from people. That day or in general? Well, any, in any general. of them that are noteworthy, let's say that. that. Well, you know, what's amazing, and here's, I just thought of this too. Have, have you ever gone through a toll booth and paid the toll for the person behind you? It is the best. It is so fun. Um, and I just do it sometimes because, they, you know, you've heard, you know, give and then you get. Right. You know? And I think a lot of times. People think, you know, you have to, it's all about receiving, asking you receive. But, you know, a lot of people talk about giving, you know, give first and then get, that that's really the law of, of the universe is give first and then, and then get. So what, what I try to do as much as I can, and I'm from the South, I'm from New Orleans, and so, you know, we're raised to be nice. We're raised to be polite. We're raised to smile at people we don't know, and we're raised to wave. Now, of course, that's changing because it's not the old South anymore, and you've got people from all over, and it's not to say that people from other parts of the United States or the world do the same thing. But, you know, I hear all the time how New Yorkers are rude. Right. And my comment back is, that's never my experience. And people kind of look at me and say, really? And I said, no, that's not my experience because when I'm in New York, I'm not there that often, and I embrace it. So when I'm there, I'm like a kid in a candy store. I am running down the sidewalk, you know, or or walking fast, not running, but walking fast down the sidewalk, and I'm smiling. You know, I'm smiling, and it is amazing. I get smiles back. I go to the deli in New York. Everybody's helpful. So 
I just think what, what we project, we get. If right. We, if we're down, then we get that, you know? So that's that's my view. Is it, it doesn't matter, you know? Just just smile. I mean, a smile is easy. And there was something I read not that long ago, you know. And and many of you, many of your listeners might have seen um, what was it? Must love dogs. You know that movie with oh, what's her name? Diane Lane. I don't think I saw. It. Did you oh see? Oh my that? god, I missed it's it. great. It's, it's amazing. Diane Lane and John Cusack, and it's about you know how they get set up online, and one of the friends fakes. Diane Lane's love for dogs, so she has to borrow a dog. Oh, and, too and funny. It, but it starts out in the beginning of the movie where she's she's single, she's she's newly divorced, um, she's not happy, she's walking through the supermarket, she looks like hell, you know, she, her hair is disheveled, she she's not smiling, she's frowning, and she's just walking through the supermarket like just miserable, and all she's buying is TV dinners, you know, everything that's like this alone person, and then. Towards the end of the movie, it shows her smiling and just talking to everybody in the grocery store, being nice to the butcher, and just the different reaction she gets. Right. Oh, funny. (laughs) It's really interesting because it's about what we're talking about, and it also ties back into single or not single, divorced, you know, reemerging in the dating world, you know, that kind of thing. So it's. It's a great movie for anybody who might have not have picked up a movie yet for tonight. You know, Must Love Dogs. A nice little romantic comedy. About finding romance again, yes. So, okay, a little history on Valentine's Day. Does anybody out there know the history of Valentine's Day? I have, have no idea. Yeah? Well, study up. <laughs> Somebody needs to call in and tell us. We're, um, we're looking up a link here while we're sitting here <clears throat> about Valentine's Day. And it seems to be a pagan ritual. And Laura, do you know anything about Valentine's well, Day? Well, I was looking it up, you know, and allegedly, you know, there's the St. Valentine's Day. You know, the big thing everybody know, hears about is the St. Valentine's Day massacre. But, you know, what I do know is um, it's evolved. And, you know, in the U.S., it's not just about, it is about candy and flowers, but, you know, the Victorians had a different view. I'm going to look up the same link that I sent you earlier, Kimberly, because I closed it. Well, it seems to be early in um, in the early days, St. Valentine, uh, well, there there's three on record in the Catholic Church, but St. Valentine apparently stood up for some uh, marriage issues within the church. And um, that was important because some, some aspects of marriage weren't being supported. And so there was stepping in to, to preserve the uh, ritual and the sanctimony of marriage. That seems to be the beginning where it got connected to romance. But it is a pagan festival that happens in the wintertime. Which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, what's, what's neat, too, is, um, you know, as a kid, I mean, remember Valentine's Day as a kid. And, you know, when we were kids, we – and. I don't know if the kids in the classroom still do the same thing, but it was a big deal to have a, val- a little Valentine card for every kid in the classroom. Oh, do you remember they, that? They do. I was up last night making 98 of them. Oh, God. <laughs> I have three children, and with their class, Isn't that their job? class sizes exceeding no, it's 30, job. 30 it's plus. Job. And my husband walked in, and he said, oh, my gosh, this is insanity. He, like, threw a little child's fit. He goes, I don't understand. Why are we doing this? 
And I said, well, they exchange these with their friends. He goes, I don't believe that they do that. I think it must have looked so crazy. 90 some odd Valentine sprawled out all over the bathroom floor that uh, <laughs> Heather looks at me like the bathroom floor? Well, I, I have a rather large bathroom. So this okay. is just think of this as nowhere near a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> or a sink, but we just, you know, we were trying to not disturb the uh, the sleeping of my husband, but he came in in the middle of it anyway, and um, and they were so excited to just have something to give each one of their friends, and the the little the little skipping of the heart, the thought that maybe they might give one to somebody they had a crush on was sweet, or that they might get one from somebody that that they had a crush on that was always, even sweeter. That always blew up <clears throat> my face. So. Did it? Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure, you know, there's always going to be, you know, with the with the positive so- stories, there's always going to be the heartbreaks, too. You can't have, uh, you know, a heartfelt experience without have, having some heart heartbreaking experiences as well. Okay. Okay. You opened the door on that one. So what Come was interesting, in. <laughs> I, I just thought back, I, this memory flashed of being like, 10 or 12 years old, something like that, and being at, you know, a little party. I went to a Catholic school in a little town just north of New Orleans when I was growing up, and we had this big, par- you know, this big party. And, I mean, I was so surprised this this classmate of mine had this huge box of candy for me, a heart-shaped oh, box of candy. you'll never forget that. I'll, his name's Robbie Duggar. I will never oh, forget Robbie it. Oh, Robbie Duggar. <laughs> Robbie Duggar, we are so thankful to you <laughs> for building that moment. <laughs> it was so cute and so sweet. And, you know, he had red hair and freckles, and he was so sweet. Oh, I'm going to have know, to look him up on Facebook. Do you know and find his, mom, his mama but, took him out to buy that for you? What a good mama. Oh, uh, he but must isn't have had. That sweet? And I, I don't think we were older than. than somewhere, probably between 10 and 12. I don't remember. Fifth grade, whatever that is, you know? But, you know, Kimberly, you went. You went back to um, earlier when we talked today, you know, just the fact that Valentine's Day can be what we make it, right? It can be miserable for people who are single. It can be interesting for people who are married, you know, because sometimes there's a really big expectation that that you do something special. That something be acknowledged. Blow it out, you know, take someone to a really expensive restaurant or buy you know, dozens and dozens of roses. And, you know, the neatest, I I do want to share something super special um, because you and I talked about this, that I'm divorced and, you know, it took me a long time to be at peace with, with being single again and being peace at being at peace with being, you know, not in a relationship, but being happy with who shows up in my life. Right. And I have to tell you the neatest thing that happened today. Oh, Um, I got an email from my ex-husband who ironically lives in Sydney, lives in Australia, but he's on the same side of the world as John is right now. And, um, I got the nicest message because I, I, I was, and I wasn't even thinking of it in terms of Valentine's Day. There was a song I heard driving through Austin called, um, No Glamour and the Hammer. And I looked it up and it was a band it's a band from Canada, and the, the song is just really great. So I knew that my ex-husband loved music, or I know that about him. And so I just looked it up on YouTube, found it, emailed it to him, and said, Hey, Chris, I knew you would really like this song. So he sends me an email back today, and he said, Oh, thank you. I'll check it out later. I'm at work. I can't, you know, I can't do that right now. But 
by the way, happy Valentine's Day, and Aww. I hope you're out and enjoying it. How sweet. It was very sweet, and I sent him a note back, and I said, oh, yeah, I'm probably just going to hang with my dog and <laughs> probably watch romantic comedies, and, you know, that's I'm not really into the big restaurant thing. And he sent a note back again and said, but I remember that great romantic restaurant we went to in Dallas all the time called St. Martin's. Oh, that nice. That was really sweet, really special. And, you know, it, that's just, it just, I would like to say to people who are divorced that divorce doesn't have to be ugly, and maybe it's not. Right. For a lot of people, for us, it never was. For me, it was horribly sad. Um, and it kind of goes back to what John was saying earlier about many of us not appreciating or communicating in someone else's value, values. I mean, my ex-husband is a great person, and he really never wanted to be married and have kids. Those were my values. Right. And I pushed it. Right. You know, I pushed it. And um, I was younger when we met. We were 28. And, um, Perfect age all my to friends start were, a family. Yeah, all my friends were getting hooked up, and um, they, were, they were coupling up. And it just seemed like, okay, well, what's wrong with me? Why am I not coupling up? Not like 28 is old. Right. Well, but, you know, it, it was about the time where people would start to ask the big question. <laughs> yeah, like, like what's going on? Even my on? mother. Yeah, what's going on? Years, what are you you know, what am I doing? I've been single. I've been dating, blah, blah, blah. And so I, I have to confess that I feel that I forced that. And the person I am now would never do that to another person. You know, I would never say, you know, okay, it's important to me to be married. It's important to me to be in this really solid, you know, or allegedly solid relationship. And, and you know, the person I am now would just say, you know what, be who you are. It's okay. You know, just... But so many women, I think more so women than men, and it's not fair to put the pressure on women because maybe, maybe men think this way too. So many women wonder, why not me? Why am I not you know, coupled up. And it's so funny because I'm a married woman and <laughs> Heather starts pointing at herself. Um, I, I think to myself, oh my gosh, you know, I'm married. I love my family. I love my husband, but I can really see it for what it is now. And I don't, I don't see it as a, as a mutually, uh, you know, inclusive process. It can't, it, it's not the eat be all and the end all. And some very meaningful human experiences can take place without being coupled up. Yeah, and Heather, how old are you? Twenty four? Oh no. I'm I'm actually thirty three. Oh, thirty three. I couldn't remember. I knew you were younger than me, but yeah. um But I but I have this you know, I don't know why I woke up thinking about this today, but you know, I was like, you know, I don't have kids. Maybe I was never supposed to have kids. I feel like a mom, but I've never felt that that absolute need to produce a baby to be a mom. Right. And um, and what's interesting, when I was 17 years old, and, again, think about Louisiana. So this is like, you know, back in, in the 70s, mid-70s. And my dad was extremely progressive at the time, and he just said, you know, you're smart. You're a career woman. You don't have to have a man to be complete. And I remember looking at him like, "What are you talking about?" This was you. This came from your father. This came from my dad, which is, in, can in, be so you know, validating for women. Um, 
my dad is 93 years old. He was born in 1920. You know, and but for my dad to come up with a very progressive view, I mean, that was very progressive in 1977. And it's he was like, you don't need to be married. If you want to have kids, you can have them on your own. Yeah, yeah. And that, I, I think that, I think maybe we would call your father a progressive. <laughs> Very progressive, and and I remember being a little shocked because I was like, and he would, and he would, and then he was like. I understand where he was coming from. He was, like, very proud of me for being intelligent and independent and driven and all those things. But he would tell his friends, oh, she doesn't need a, mar- she doesn't need a man. If she wants to have kids, she can just get inseminated. I was like, would you please? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Can we say that like, on the air, Heather? Yes, you can say that on the air. <laughs> I'm teasing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but it was so embarrassing, and I'm like, shh, be quiet, shh. And he'd tell all his friends, oh, yeah, she's so, you know, she's so career-oriented. She doesn't need a man. And I don't think it's about that, whether you're bisexual, homosexual, heterosexual. What I finally have in my heart is that we need to be whole on our own. That's so true. We need to be whole on our own before we're good for anybody else. So what does that feel like? In, in terms of, you know, you, you've talked about going through a transition. I read, your, um, I read your essay. What does it feel like to get to a place where you actually feel whole on your own? Um, I have some idea. I'm pretty certain it involves a good night's rest. but <laughs> Well, that part, too, which I don't always get. No, but, me neither. Um, I, I believe it's going through those challenges. And I believe it's being willing to risk some of those things, you know, being willing to risk a marriage, being willing to risk being alone. Um, you know, for me, um, I mean, I just met John Martini three months ago, but, you know, years ago I started soul searching and I was like, you know, who am I? What am I? What is my purpose in life? And, you know, I had a really big, career with a major PR firm that's now the top PR firm in the world. And, you know, I thought that was it. I thought, you know, I've got to get my big salary and my big title and I've got to do that. And then I got that and I was like, that's not it. This isn't it. I'm, it didn't why feel am I right. Miserable? I'm, that's not it. And I sought out a coach, a life coach. And that was in 98. I found, I sought out a life coach and, and I just started this journey, you know, a journey to be open to learning, you know, what do I feel about love, what do I feel about work, what do I feel about friendships, what do I feel about family, and, and I have to say that when I got divorced, I was one of the, I was one of the most miserable persons you've ever met. And, and yet this was somebody that you cared for. You I know? loved him with all my heart. I but, really did. I loved him with all my heart. I still love him. But when I, when I read your story, it was interesting to me because I, I, I got the sense from the first couple of chapters, I think, of Eat, Pray, Love is, you know, she has this experience. It's just something wasn't alive inside. And it, know, it wasn't I, really I, easy I, to put her finger on, you know. Yeah. I mean, we were incredibly good companions we never argued I I suspect you know we would be I don't I don't know if we'd be lovers now I know we'd be better friends 
um, because even the level of friendship we had before was pretty superficial. Where where are we going? And I'm not saying this is bad. I think right. again, it's our evolution. What what are we in our maturity, and what are we in our spirits able to project and give and be? And at that time, I was probably more material too. I was probably more superficial. So you know, I maybe the choice maybe was a reflection of who you were at the time, and you needed to see it differently. Well, well, and maybe so. And you know, we had a big house and nice cars, and we went to great parties. We had great friends. We went to on great trips, and on the outside, everything looked just perfect. Right. And my ex-husband looks like Robert Palmer. Um, he's and even though we're both about the, he's fifty-two and I'm fifty-three. He's still cute. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I bet you he's are still too. <laughs> cute. And he still has a full of hair, head of hair, and he's not fat. And he's like this incredibly athletic guy. You know, and so we we looked cute. We were cute, and we were fun, and we. So we didn't even tell anybody in our neighborhood that we were contemplating yeah we it was i think because it was it was such a shock i got an epiphany one day and i was like oh my god i don't believe he loves me like that like you need it was hard it was really hard but i would say you know and i said this to somebody recently i have no regrets i have no regrets for marrying the man i married and I have no regrets for divorcing him. I wish it were different. I wish it could have been different. But I don't regret it, if that makes sense. Right. Oh, one of the things that you and I talked about, maybe discussing on the show, uh, were relationship myths. Eight of the most destructive myths that we hold as women and as men. Well, and, you know, I have to say, mm-hmm. I have to credit John for putting these together, but I have to say I experienced seven out of the eight of them. (laughs) Okay, yeah, this is Dr. Demartini's list. Okay, one is that a new relationship is going to make someone happy. Okay, well, the reality is no other person is responsible for our happiness, right? Okay, so this one's for you, Heather. (laughs) No, no, that's not the part... No, 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 no. That's not the part where it relates to me at all. You don't, you don't think having a person in your life would make you happy? No, okay. no. I mean, right. like, I'm already pretty happy as it is. It would make me happier, but it wouldn't make. It, no, it's fine. Okay, but yeah, then that might it. go to number two, which is a partner completes a person. But I don't feel incomplete on my own. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. But but that's the perception, right? The perception out there is, oh, he completes me or she completes me. And I I can't remember which guru wrote this, but it was so cool. Sounds like Jerry Maguire. What was that? (laughs) It sounds like Jerry Maguire. Yeah, but this is such a great um, symbol. I mean, think about, you know, the circle, right? The circle is completion. The circle is a symbol why do you think we have the wedding ring, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's it's never ending, it's complete. And one thing I read, I can't remember if it was Deepak Chopra or Wayne Dyer or somebody like that, but it was like if if you think about two people who are not complete and they come together to be complete, together they form a circle. But what if you have two complete circles overlapping each other? Isn't that stronger? If you do that a couple times, you have the Olympics. Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, baby. <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> but isn't that cool? I mean, so 
I I agree with that. I was just thinking of the two incomplete people being dysfunctional and they end up on cops. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Funny. Okay, well, so oh we. My God, I wish I could be on the show every week. I so do too. Fun. This is like free therapy. Okay, what oh. about the right relationship will last forever? Well, I thought that. And what I realize is that. You know what? The long relationship is the one that lasts forever. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, have you ever heard um, is that, me being that expression, a reason, a season, um, or a lifetime? Right. That some people come into our life for a reason, some come into our life for a season, and some come in for a lifetime. And, you know, that's what I learned is that the relationship I had with my ex-husband was right for the season. I thought it was going to be right for a lifetime. And the good news is we're going to be, we're going to care about each other and respect each other for a lifetime. But the marriage was not a lifetime. Right. Yeah. And and I think that happens. I mean, we've we've had to come up with ways of coping. I mean, with the divorce rate being what it is. People are facing this reality more than they did in olden days. So, Well, there was more of a social stigma to divorce in the olden days, too. Yeah, but I think it's because they couldn't function alone. I mean, life was so much harder. It was different. You really That's couldn't true. do it on your own. and yeah. Yeah, it was very different. Right. Yeah. Um, the right relationship needs no work is our number four myth. Ah. Uh. That's a joke. I kind of, I kind of remember. I, I remember when I was single, the absolute folly that went through my no, mind. No, I can see. No, I can see it needing no work because, like, when you do something you love, it's not really work. Well, you so, can see I mean, why it shouldn't be work, but you know, back yeah. to sharing those values. Um, that that's got to be done and negotiated well, on well, I mean, on a regular basis. Back back when I was employed here, you know, I would spend fourteen hours at the radio station, and it didn't feel like work. Because you loved it so much. Because I loved it so much. So I kind of disagree with number that well, one. Well, well, here's but, – but here's the – I guess here's the Pollyanna view of that. So the Pollyanna view, oh, if everything's great, it's just going to be easy. But life isn't easy, you know? No. And Kimberly, you know this. I mean, you've got kids and you work with elderly people and – Right. You know, life changes. And we never know – what curveball we're going to get. Yeah, and, that, that is so true. It's going to be good at catching say, Oh, well, if it's all great, it's just easy. Well, what if that spouse ends up, gets in a car wreck or that spouse comes back from the war? We have so many wounded veterans who have come back, changed people. Yeah. And they're reacclimating to society and reacclimating to their spouses and reacclimating to their kids. So that that doesn't need work. Yeah, and just a clarification though, it's not just wounded physically. I mean, there's PTSD in a lot of vets too. Oh yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Right, they look the same on the exactly. outside. Exactly. But... So um, the view of it is different, and you know, I have to say, you know, there's a friend of mine a few months ago. You know, someone who's special to me, and we ended up having this horrible argument. This awful, awful argument over something really stupid. It was like about an airport. Are you picking me up from the airport? Okay. He's like, well, I was going to, but I can't now. And I said, okay, I got it handled. No problem. I'm going to get a cab. Oh, no, no, no. I'm picking you up. I'm arranging it. I'm the man. I'm, I brought you there. I'm, no, no, no. I've got it handled. It's okay. I can get a, I can get a cab. It's okay. We ended up having the worst <laughs> argument. <laughs> okay. So what soup. would... And I was like, why are we having this argument? I'm a businesswoman. I know how to get myself home from the airport. It's not a big deal. That sounds like my parents. It sounds like, though, like if we were to apply Dr. Martini's 
um, it was approach. his values. And we his value to, was that he had to pick you up or had to be the one to take care of that. You're right. And, and we talked, so we argued it out. And this is, a, this is the person in me that never would have argued it out. But the new person, well, okay, what, what do I have to lose by arguing it out? And so we argued it out, and he goes, okay, let me just explain something to you. I, can, I dropped you off at the airport. It was my responsibility to get you back. He sounds like a keeper. <laughs> it was very nice. And he goes, yeah. it was my responsibility to get you back. And there was a change in my schedule. I figured out how to get you back, but, but you didn't let me do it. And mm. sometimes, Laura, you just need to let a guy be a guy. Right. So where, where does that leave you thinking, though, when you decided to kind of argue it out? Um, it made me thankful that we did. It made me realize that you can risk arguing it out. And the old person was like, I can't risk that. I'm scared. I'm afraid. I got it. I'm afraid to argue. I'm afraid that if I state my position, he or she, whether it's a, you know, a business relationship or a personal relationship, if I argue my position, they may not like it. Well, the reality is you don't, the other person doesn't have to like it. Yeah. So did you let him pick you, organize picking you up? No, I got the frickin' cab. <laughs> oh, God, that's so funny. <laughs> Would you do it differently now? I Now that you know that that's his value? In the future, yes. Yeah. Good job. Would, yeah. Good, good girl. Okay, so I don't want, we're, we're short. We've only got about five more minutes, so I want to read really quickly. Gosh, this time always flies. Um, I want to read the last few uh, relationship myths. The the number five was good sex happens only at the beginning of a relationship. For anybody that's married, you know that's not true. That's funny. <laughs> um, but I have had relationships like that, though. Where you thought that was that that's the only time it was good was uh, at the beginning. Uh huh. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it does I, I'm sure everybody has that happen too. But yeah. Uh, when you're married, it goes up and down no matter what you do. Yeah. <laughs> Just kind of is yeah. like the wave on an ocean. Um, children complete a marriage. Well, Kimberly, I think, I think no. you're the only one married who can talk about that. Um, well, you with know, kids, I, I actually so have I to. Have I actually have to disagree with this one. I I know that a lot of people don't overcome their problems when they're married with children, and so they they think, oh yeah, that didn't work. But I, I have a very different view on that. I actually think that they do complete a marriage, and for me, you know, for and for a lot of married people. It is a reason to stay. And if you just even have a tiny reason to stay, you can sometimes get, like like you said, argue it out and then come to a newer, higher understanding. I do want to add something to that. Um, one thing that I've noticed, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but one thing I've observed is that couples who are single are really, without kids, are really into each other. And you know, you know what like, I mean? Like it's hyper, like can, like hyper into older, each other? And no kids, but, and maybe they do argue it out, but there's something, they have a bond that is amazing. Right. Yeah. You don't get to do quite that 100% of the time when you have kids. Right. But what I've noticed is it doesn't work. Single people without kids do not stay together unless they are incredibly, that's my point. Unless they're incredibly into each other, they are not going to stay together without kids. Oh, it's not oh that's happen. interesting. I mean, I, I think that, 
I think, first of all, when you have children, it's not necessarily that you've completed a marriage. You've really started a whole separate institution. It's a different dynamic. Yeah, and you're, yeah. And you're governing differently than, um, than you otherwise would. So, um, okay, so then there's last two. Single people are lonely. Oh, that never. one's so mean. I had more a more me. active social life when I was single <laughs> than I'll ever have when I'm married. <laughs> um, uh, totally. Uh, way more active social life when I was single. Um, and the last one would be opposites attract. Uh, yeah, you don't, that you don't, you don't believe that usually. either? I don't think I would want to marry my opposite. <clears throat> That well, would just be I think, scary. I think I might have been interested in that, like from a more curious vantage point, but I'm not I'm I would agree with that. You have to have a lot of common common things to make the relationship. I would go so like. far as clones don't attract either. So if you have somebody so like <laughs> you it's, it's like it's a, it is old Seinfeld episode is when somebody date Jerry was dating somebody basically like him and he couldn't take it anymore and he dumped her. Oh, that's so funny. Well, I mean, I've really enjoyed just focusing a little bit on this. Laura, tell us really quickly about Panino and Associates and Panino and Partners. We are a public relations consulting company focusing on writing and media relations, public, uh, public relations strategy. And, you know, Kimberly, you and your show are so close to me because I've spent so much time in Laguna Beach, and I just love Orange County. So I'm so glad that we've connected. Me too. We're going to work on some writing projects together and um, looking forward to a, a summer that's really productive. And um, so Panino and Partners is how somebody would get a hold of you it's, if they um, want your... Yeah, it's Panino, P-E-N-N-I-N-O-A-N-D, partners.com. And um, my phone number is 281-286-9398. And, you know, I'm always happy to talk to businesses and individuals and nonprofits. I'm, we offer complimentary consulting. So we never, you know, we never expect people to spend money with us if they just need an idea. So... Call for an idea. We're happy to give it. I love that. I love that. Well, I enjoyed thoroughly just chatting about relationships today. It's a fun thing we really don't take enough time to discuss, but it's such a big part of our lives as human beings. And Kimberly, for your listeners, I I have to say this, that I was thinking of you today at exactly the point that you called me to say, (laughs) hey, can you help me with the show? I just... I just believe in synchronicity, and it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning of the show. You know, put the good energy out there. Put the good thoughts out there. Be our best. You know, it doesn't mean it's Pollyanna. It doesn't mean that every day is perfect, but just be our best, you know? It's so true. And, you know, I have to say on that note, it's a good note to close on. Laura Panino, thank you so much for being here. Dr. John Martini uh, dialed in from Australia and shared some some really good uh, nuts and bolts on relationships. Heather, there's hope out there for all of us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and this is this is actually the last time I'm on Real People of Orange County. Oh, so I don't believe that. I'm, I think I'm in is. denial. Oh, oh what, did we, what did we just yeah, drive you over the edge? I heard that a, cu- a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I, we drove her over the edge today. I actually whole... got a nice phone call uh, last yesterday and I got hired. So it's for Good sure now. Thank you. So thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, so up next is uh, Counterspin. And it's then, Counterspin, yes. And then... Uh, Planetary Radio with Matt Kaplan. Yep. So happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Thank you for joining us.